Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you're having a great day and a great uh, week. Uh, the weekend is near, so um, I'm hoping that you're having a very great time um, and, and the weekend seems to be great weather wherever you are in the world. First of June, it is great over here where I am. Summer is always beautiful and I know it's not summer in India, it is the monsoon's coming, summer is getting over, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, wherever you are, I hope you're having a great, great, great time. So today we're going to do something on President Biden, okay, and I saw this a little earlier. Um, we have the American President, uh, Joe Biden. He fell down a little earlier at an Air Force Academy graduation. When I saw the video, the first thing I said was, I was stunned. I was like, oh my God, he's fallen. Is he okay? Um, and I was like, um, he got up and then everything was okay. But I was scared. I'm like, oh my God, how is he falling? This guy is the president of the United States. He can't even stand up straight. Now, whether you like Biden or you do not like Joe Biden, the bottom line is, is for an elderly person to fall down is really traumatic. I don't know if you know your grandparents or great-grandparents. We are always bothered about them because they have bones that are brittle. If, if they fall, they could have an operation that will never heal. They are so fragile. Their bones are brittle. They are reached the end of their life. It's like, it's like a child. If a child, you know, a baby or a child falls down, hits his head, it could cause trauma that goes on for life. And it's, it, it, it's, it, it's really, really, um, it's, it's really bad. So to see an elderly person like that, you know, you're like, oh my goodness gracious me. And once, okay, you know that he's okay, then you say, oh, you know, okay, we go from here. Uh, and I hope he, he's, you know, they're not going to say something later on that, you know, he's broken a hip or broken his hand, has broken something. Anyway, so I went into, you know, the newsreel on YouTube and I looked at everyone reporting on this. And of course, they had not nice things to say. Some people were worried about him. They were scared for him, whether it was the Democrats or the conservatives, they were all scared for him. But there were people also after after he was, you know, after the initial shock that, look, an elderly gentleman just fell down, whoever he is, um, was like, this guy is not strong enough to stand up. How is he running the country? Point number one. Um, he's not on the campaign trail because he's going to be um, running for re-election soon and they want him to run for re-election. Secondly, um, that's sorry that's point number two uh he's not on a campaign trend because he can't even talk um so how is he going to be the president for four more years he can't stand up he's definitely his he's lost his cognitive ability and so he is just a puppet over there he's completely a puppet um and someone else is running the country not him that's point number three uh point number four was if something happens to him, Kamala Harris is running the country. She's worse than him. I mean, people think he's bad. But Kamala Harris is worse than a puppet. I mean, she, I know she's of Indian origin. Uh, but 
look, this woman is, she, at least Joe Biden is senile. He's lost his cognitive ability, okay, however you want to call it. Kamala Harris has her cognitive ability, and she is, uh, I mean, out. she's out to the boonies, I, I, out to the races, as we say. She's not even in this world. She, she doesn't know how to run anything, leave alone a country. She has no knowledge of, of administration whatsoever. So how is she running a country? How is she running a country? She's not running a country. She can't run a country. She has nothing of any intellect to say. She's never said anything intellectual. Uh, leave alone um, run a country. Then on top of that, she uses race, color, identity politics to run an agenda. She, it's not about treating all Americans equal. It's about people of color being on top, uh, people of race being on top, uh, people who are not of color, people who are not immigrants, people who are not, uh, that means the bulk of the country that are of European descent. Uh, even if they come from South America, um, because a lot of uh, you know European descent in South America. So you, even if people of South, you know, who are of European descent, anywhere, they are second-class citizens. Automatically, they do not. They do not. Um, they, they do not have the same rights as someone of people of color, and people of color are always victim. They are perpetual victims. So she runs a narrative. She runs two countries in one. She runs two parallel countries in one nation under one flag. Divided rule. It's always people of color versus white people. People of color versus black people. People of color, white people versus black people versus immigrants. This identity politics in her mind. She's got divisions in her in her mentality and so she's got divisions everywhere. So she's running, she would run the country. I mean, or should I say she would be the face of the administration. Who wants her? That is that is a point, okay? You see all the channels, except obviously for the left, and they, they're going, oh my goodness gracious, if something happens to Joe Biden, we're stuck with Kamala Harris. Um, having said that, uh, I, I, some, one of the channels, I don't know who remember who, said, look, um, if he's running, if he gets his hand on the nuclear button and he loses his his balance, he'll set off a nuclear war anywhere in the world because the Americans have nukes all over the planet. So he'll set off a nuclear war everywhere in the world. This planet will blow up. Uh, this is how bad it is. He can't even stand properly. Now, my mind went right to, to President Trump. Um, Donald Trump. Remember in 2016 when he was running a campaign trail, uh, the Democrats and the the Democrats and the um, and and Hillary Clinton's campaign said we cannot trust Donald Trump. He, he if he gets his hand on if he gets his hand on the on the nuclear button, he could set off uh, um, he could set off. Um, a war, a nuclear war anywhere on the planet. My dear friends, Donald Trump did not even start one war. He never started one war. And if you look at all the wars from 1991, to 19 uh, to 2020 every single war that was started was by either George Bush senior um 
well, actually, you can go back to the World War II, but let's go from the 90s. George Bush Sr., then you had Bill Clinton, then you had George Bush, then you had Barack Obama, then you had... Um, now you have uh, Joe Biden, but Donald Trump is the only, only uh, president who has never started a war. So they lied, lock, stock, and barrel. They lied about him. They lied that he was he didn't have cognitive dis difficulties. He lied. They lied that Donald Trump was not in his cognitive best, and if he gets his hand on on the on the on the nuclear button, uh, anyone is uh, you know they'll have a war all over the world, and the gullible people of America, that is the Democrats, actually believed it and said, oh no, Donald Trump, imagine if he gets his hand on the button, on the red button, on the nuclear button, we'll have a nuclear war. Everyone was scared. Everyone, they drummed up a, a fear tantrum. Um, they, they they kept, they were the anti-fascist, anti-fur, Black Lives Matters. They funded that because they were so scared. But that for four years, we had nothing but trauma. We had nothing but uh, violence, anarchy, and this is exactly what we had. Uh, we're having in India ever since the leftist, um, the Congress lost power. We've had uh, anarchy in the country as a lie to defame the ruling government so that they do not run the country in an economic ecstasy. They do not bring the economic balance back to the country. They do not take the country forward uh, to put spokes in their wheel. And this is exactly what happened during Donald Trump's time. In reality, they lied. They lied. They spread disinformation. They spread fake news. And Donald Trump never started one war. Actually, in, during his four years, besides the COVID, even with the COVID on, he had the best economy in the country for 50 years, actually set almost 70 years. 70 years, the best economy in the country. The best economy in the country. The unemployment was low, uh, gas prices were down, um, he had fuel reserves. Now there are no fuel reserves. Um, you know, different communities, uh, they had, were needed jobs. They were running low on labor, so they took people in because they had labor shortage. Um, look, they were doing so much better in spite of the fact that uh, the Democrats put spokes in the wheel and lied and lied and lied about the nuclear button. Today, as a reality, we have a president in the United States who does not have a cognitive balance, uh, who cannot stand up straight, who's, who is the oldest president in the country. He cannot put two words together, um, and he's got a problem. And now, now we're really scared, and every single person, I mean, you talk about them, you look at the news channels and they're all talking about, my goodness gracious me, what happens if he 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 sets off those nuclear codes? Um, that would be a problem. Now, he's not running the country. We know that someone else is. And neither is Kamala Harris. They're just the face of the garbage can, literally. But they have spread so much disinformation as a result of which the debt ceiling has gone up. America doesn't have money. They are, they are taking money on their credit card. They're about $31 trillion in debt. Um, 
31 trillion dollars in debt um, that's only federal debt then you have state debt then you have commercial debt then you have insurance debt so you have debt across the board they use identity politics they lie they spread disinformation they spread fear and with all of that then they win and the gullible people of the planet will actually vote for them because they they have these catchwords so it's secular uh, e equality inclusiveness they have these catchwords uh, multiculturalism uh, and f and for the opposition they have fear hate fascism fear hate divisiveness so they use all these dog whistles the moment you heard these dog whistles for the opposition that means oh they're bad come to us stay within our plantation so basically that's what they do and gullible people actually believe in them when every proof on the ground exists that every time they have these dog whistles the only people that are losing are the country the country never goes forward there's anarchy the economy comes down gas prices go up uh, inflation is up uh, there is fear there is um, the economy tumbles um, um, social uh, there's social unrest and and all of the negative features come because that's what they are. They are about anarchy. <coughs> you see uh, Justin Trudeau in Canada. He came into the country. Justin Trudeau in Canada came into the country as the prime minister, I think, end of 2015, if I'm not mistaken. The approximate uh, federal debt was $650 billion. It is now $1.2 trillion. $1.2 trillion Canadian dollars in, the United, in, in Canada. What have they done for it? Are there more hospitals? Are there more roads? Are there more... Uh, are they more uh, schools? Are they better schools? Are the children being better educated in the last nine years? Has the economy tanked? The economy has tanked completely. Our debt has gone up high, should I say. Canada's debt has gone up. Um, the economy has tanked. I mean, inflation is high. Food is double the price. Um, everything is double the price, if not triple. Um, they, prices have gone to the roof. Um, gas is high. Um, look, it, it, it is a, an economy which, which is sinking. And when uh, Stephen Harper was in the country, he was running the country before... Uh, Justin Trudeau, he ran it with a surplus. He went to the worst crisis in 2008. He had he took off Canada from that economic crisis, the best of the G7 nations, from those G7 nations. He was Canada was the best economy. When he left, there was a budget surplus. Today, not only we have a budget surplus, we had a budget deficit, and we've doubled the debt to six one point two trillion, which Canada has never seen. And what has he got to show for it? Millions of refugees, illegal and illegal. So he've got all these refugees he knows that he has no intellect whatsoever and he's not capable of running the country he's just a face behind the scenes someone else is running the country uh, people like George Soros he also knows that there's anarchy every time everywhere you go his dog whistles are Islamophobia xenophobia racism black lives matter um, that's what his that's what his catch he's if you give him any question any intellectual question the only things he has to say to you is 
Islamophobia, xenophobia, the, you know, uh, racism, black life matter. So he'll give you that as a savior, as a person who is defending these people, these poor little minorities, these narratives. And all he's done is camouflage his $1.2 trillion of debt. This is beside all the garbage he's done. Okay, He's led the uh, Chinese into the country, the Chinese. Uh, he's taking orders from the Chinese. Um He's hand in hand with the Chinese who are interfering in, in democratic elections. And they say that Canadian elections are now being uh, twisted and diverted and um, yeah, um, interfered with by the Chinese. And not to talk about George Soros, because George Soros is one of the guys who's also interfering with the Canadian elections. So in reality, we don't even know if these elections are safe and sound. The only way for them to win is to buy votes. Uh, and that's exactly what they are allegedly doing. Okay, I, Again, I have to use the word allegedly over here. But it's a fact that the debt is doubled, uh, almost doubled. And what you have, you have, uh, he's, he, he's known in Canada as a dictator because he used emergency powers to stop the trucking, uh, the truckers protest. Why did the truckers have the protest? Because he put in laws during the COVID time to curtail their movements. Now, Canada ran was still living during the COVID crisis because of the truckers. We had food on our table because of the truckers. We had uh, we had uh, we had amenities because of the truckers. These were the people who were living in their trucks and took food around the country. We owe them. We do not owe Justin Trudeau anything. But in order to show that he's pro-vogue, uh, he's pro-liberal, pro-democrat, and it's all about stopping the virus by stopping contamination. He put laws where the truckers had, uh, which blocked the truckers from carrying out their activities. Uh, and the truckers had protests. He had no talk with the pro uh, truckers. It was their democratic right, but he used emergency power. So he's, he is known as a dictator, literally, who uses emergency powers to, to, to crack down on any people who go against his agenda or his narrative. Well, again, it's a narrative of disinformation. Okay? Disinformation, as every time he has some he has to hide every time he does that um, he uses dog whistles of Islamophobia xenophobia blah 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 hate speech and people actually oh my god hate speech and they all vote for him like gullibles complete absolute gullibles and you know who votes for him people in two major areas the greater Toronto area and the greater Montreal area these are the these are two areas full with immigrants you know why but yeah, but they believe in dog whistles. That's what they've been brainwashed with since the time they were born. So they'll just keep repeating, keep repeating these words. Their handlers, that means all these religious and ethnic groups and their establishments, keep repeating the same words in their homes, in their churches, in their mosques, in their ethnic communities, in their, uh, uh, in their little communities that they live in. Um, and and they keep repeating it. The moment the prime minister keeps repeating it, it's like you know continuation of a wave, and they just give him the vote. That's all. And he'll bring in millions and millions of le uh, immigrants, legal and illegal, and here you go. Uh, he get. But what is the economy? It's tanked. And this is exactly what happened in India, my dear friend. Every time um, the Congress runs a dog whistle. It says divisive, hate speech, uh, fear, Islamophobia, xenophobia, minority majority. 
the economy tanks, people work for them like dog whistles. And what you get? Absolutely nothing. And my dear friends, in the nine years of Narendra Modi, you had 60 years of the Indian National Congress. What did they give us? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Let me show you what they have got um, by, uh, by in the nine years of Narendra Modi. Okay. It says India is projected to be a $26 trillion economy by 2047. $26 trillion. Okay. They said India in 2014, it was a different country than India in 2023. It is completely a different country. Um, and everyone says here, and I'm reading from the internet, okay, as the study shows, India offers a unique investment opportunity as the world struggles with heightened customer consumer demands, increased geopolitical pressures, with the biggest talent pool, with accelerated pace of economic reforms, breakthroughs in energy transition, rapid digital transformation, the long-term growth trajectory is clearly positive. India demonstrates immense potential and is positioned to take truly transformative impact on the world, world stage. Um, and it, it is unbelievable. Um, India is likely to cross the critical thresholds of US $5 trillion to US $10 trillion to US $20 trillion in the market exchange rate uh, in market exchange rate terms in by 20 by fiscal year 28 36 and 45 um, with strong services exports it at 2.254 billion in 2021 2022 india enjoys a strong foothold especially in it bpo service exports uh, there's now an opportunity for the country to seize higher share of transformational and more complex expertise-based services to grow faster in the IT services sector. Digitalization, a force multiplier. The fewest pace of digitalization in the country, included by the government, would result in multiple benefits of improving governance, financial inclusion, providing a framework for private players to reach new markets and create new products and services. The India stack pioneered in the country is now the global benchmark for most countries. Following a spate of digitalization in the government and private sectors, the digital economy has grown by 15.6% over the period from 2014 to 2019. Um, and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Thriving entrepreneurship spurred by private capital, reaping the democratic dividend, making domestic manufacturers competitive, building infrastructure in the future transition to sustainable energy policy recommendations india marches on with with amritkal an auspicious period mo most conducive to achieving country's potential and seizes the emerging opportunities above the enablers um, it is it will be the critical to plan for future for factors that can impede 
progressive. While the goal has been strategic in its macro fiscal response during the pandemic and geopolitical conflict, continued prudent macroeconomic management focused on planning, on managing and stabilization, inflation and currency, in ensuring predictability in policies, proactively de-risking the economy and would would remain important for India in continually to continually attract domestic and global in, in, in investors. So we see, uh, I'm reading from EVI, uh, Building Better Future press release over here. So there is plenty of positive energy for growth. What did they do till 2040? Nothing, 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 nothing. Okay, it has tripled. Um, medical services have tripled. Medical colleges have tripled. Infrastructure has quadrupled. Uh, state of roads has tripled. Why did the Congress not do this? It always says divisive to Modi. It has nothing to show but oh, divisive, hate speech, negative speech. All these dog whistles for their slaves to vote for them. Why? And why do these people become slaves? because they've been brainwashed from their birth and they've been brainwashed to do be only angry on their plantation. So they're on a constant state of anger. The Indian National Congress knows, like the, the Democrats in the, in the US, that as long as they have this vote bank, as long as they give out these dog whistles, these people will be gullible enough to, bring, to, to vote for them. And as long as they vote for them, they will continuously have power. The moment they have power, they will continue and continue to be corrupt. They have nothing else to do but to be corrupt. I mean, they, the economy, the within their time span, in the time that we got independent, the bulk of the 75 years, 60 years have been with the Congress, okay, uh, at the federal level, at the state level. Uh, that's approximately 55 to 60 years, okay, and in states it's been more, okay. Now, what have we got to show for it? We've quadrupled the, 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 the population. This quadrupling of population is because solely of the Indian National Congress. They did not have any programs on the ground to stop the growth of, 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 um, of the population. All they did was put fear, 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 fear into the minds of the people. Because they put fear in the minds of the people, so the British were bad, the British were bad, so the people thought they, oh, the British were bad, we're going to, the British killed so many people, so we have to go and, and, and make more people. We have quadrupled our population. That is the only call, that is the only thing that the Congress has achieved in its 55 to 60 years at the head. A, a quadrupling of the population. But what have they got to show in investment? Nothing. Because they know their vote bank is continuously going to vote for them. So why should we give them? But they're on a continuous plantation of fear and anger because they need to politicize this fear. They need to um, manipulate this fear. And only when you manipulate this fear, you get votes. So that's why they'll keep using the dog whistles. Dog whistles. Every time you hear this dog whistles from the Congress, that is uh, fear, Islamophobia, xenophobia, racism, intolerance, fascism, Nazi, na uh, fascism, uh, uh, black 
uh, Dalit caste, Dalit caste, they use these dog whistles and they will get these votes because we have gullible people in the country who are brainwashed from the time they're birth, generation after generation, that it's okay to hate someone else in order to define who you are. You have to degrade someone in order to justify your requirement to exist. And that is called supremacy. And that comes from a backward to flat earth mentality. And this, my dear friend, is the reason why we had demonetization, because the country was running on black money. No money, um, no country. So they're running on black money. Not even 4% are paying income tax. The uh, the sales and uh, sales tax, the GST, well, formerly before GST, uh, all that money coming from sales of goods and services, commerce, is going to the hands of the corrupt few of the country. So there's no money coming in from anywhere. We've got a quadrupling of the population. What do you think is going to happen? You, your country is going to fail, exactly like Lebanon. You have a country like Lebanon today. Why has it failed? Lebanon is a, for those who don't know, has to have a balance of power. That means a Sunni has to be, I think, I think a Muslim has got to be uh, the president, a uh, prime minister has got to be, for example, uh, a Catholic, Maronite, and then you have someone else being uh, a Shia. So there's always this separation of power. So you know that your president is going to be some one type of Muslim. A vice president is going to be another type of Muslim. A, a Christian's got to be uh, um, a Christian has got to be um, a prime minister. You you always going to have that. So you always going to have your balance, your your separation of power. And these people know that they're only going to get these votes, and because they're go only going to get these votes. Uh, of their base. They don't have to invest in the economy. They don't have to invest in anything. They don't have to invest to, uh, to spur up the economy. The banking sector is collapsed. Everything is collapsed. I mean, there's nothing that's working. The, co the, the country is gone. And it's the same thing in Pakistan because they're all based on this identity uh, politics. They're based on religious politics. As long as you're based on this, two, on this divide and rule, minority Versus majority give us because we are the minorities, we're your, we're your saviors, you're going to get this and your country is going to tank. And that's why this country has never gone up anywhere in the world. India has not gone up with such a huge population, it has not invested in human resources, we've got infrastructure crumbling. We had to do something to change, and Narendra Modi was the answer, and he has delivered, my friend. That's why we needed demonetization to remove power from the hands of the few, the elite, the licensed Raj, who did only one thing, make sure that they controlled the country and the country was their slaves. This country, the Indian Republic, was going down. The country was going to collapse into another uh, bankruptcy with because of the of of the Indian National Congress uh, because 88 percent of the country was unworking under black money there was no money coming in and people say and this then their elites say well 
Oh, he, had, he scored a self-goal. But how did he score a self-goal if he bought back the money into the system? It's those people, the elite, the establishment, who's giving out their dog whistles, who were the ones who were bringing this country down. Because they do not want to show themselves as the ones who were the elite, who were keeping the money, hogging onto the money, nothing going to the government, uh, black money running the country, no tax coming in. They expected a fantastic country. And now they're saying, well, he scored an old goal. No, it's the license Raju scored a goal because now no one is complaining except those who lost their black money market. And that's why the Indian currency, the Indian foreign exchange reserves have moved up to $600 million, billion dollars, sorry. Um, and and we, we averted, we, diver we, we saved ourselves from a Lebanon collapse. We were on the verge of being on a Lebanon collapse. We were on the verge of being on a collapse like, like Pakistan. Why? Because there's no money coming in. There was a balance um, current account deficit. There was no infrastructure. There was, uh, there was a backlog. There was a bureaucratic backlog. And so somewhere up the line, you're going to crack. Instead of a volcanic eruption, all Narendra Modi did was bring down a slow, a slow decline, a slow um, unbreaking, undoing of the Indian economy. And he he had the infrastructure, he had the 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 tools and the management to rebuild it from the inside. He was ready with the rebuilding on the inside, completely uh, with GST, with um, digitalization. He was ready with the backup. And so that's why the country has gone forward, because that demonetization was the best thing that ever happened to the country. It avert, averted a financial disaster, and the country is not falling down like Joe Biden did, and like the American economy. We don't have the luxury of the American economy because we deal with um, currency in foreign exchange in, in US dollars. They can print as much as money as they want, but we can't. So, Joe Biden falling down is unfortunately a, a bad thing for him, but it also depicts the, for the economy and the state of affairs in the U.S. government, uh, in the U.S. administration. Um, and this would have been India's plight. This is why Lebanon came down. This is why Pakistan came down. This is the same reason why Sri Lanka has come down. Uh, Argentina is in crisis. <coughs> Today, we averted a crisis, and that is because of, the, of Narendra Modi, who stood up, who stood up and took that beating for the Indian people uh, so that they could rise up, this country could rise up, this Amrit Khan could rise up, this positive energy could rise up, and the next generation could lead us to not only a 26 trillion economy, but a healing from the inside and a resurrection of our of our civilization to heal the world, not just this country, but to heal the world. So on that note, I want to say thank you for you to listening to me. Thank you for your opinions. Thank you for sharing my podcast. I hope you have your own opinion. Please do share this with your friends, your families, and have that discussion with whoever you want to have it with. On that note, I want to say thank you very much. I, I take your leave, and I hope you have a great, great day.